and welcome to another exciting episode of Token Podcast. I'm your host and sometimes referee, the friendly neighborhood, Zach Stat Pearson. And today, I'm joined by he who chills in the refrigerator, but never goes bad. A one milk. Man, I'm so happy to be back in the studio. Not to break the fourth wall, but the amount of times that I've just been like in my car while you've been talking. Oh, it's good to be back. Always happy to have you. Without having to splice you in at a later time. <laughs> and here comes a new challenger one who hails from the opposite side of the country not the planet he whose glasses know no bounds and sees all that is within the mind but is not xavier a one dr Vale. except no substitutes thank you thank you well i am bald like uh xavier but um I mean, you know I, I don't actually have psychic powers i don't think I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't gonna go there, but okay. Uh, all right, yeah. well, Doctor Vale, beat it to it. Yeah, uh, Doctor Vale, as the newest member, want to tell us a little bit about yourself and some of your hobbies. Sure. Um, well, I am Doctor Cyrus Vale. I'm a practicing child psychologist, and um, I do owe the listeners a disclosure that I do have a financial stake in the video game industry. With all that being said, yeah, I'm a long time gamer nerd i've been playing uh video games um ever since i was probably oh i don't know three so that represents like a 37 year career playing games and i'm still playing them to this day because i have the estimated maturity of an eight-year-old which is not a criticism of eight-year-olds and uh i appreciate being invited onto the show to listen to myself talk more because i'm good at that See, normally when someone says, you know, I have the maturity of an eight-year-old, I'm like, ha, 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 but you're a child psychologist, so I'm actually a little worried now. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the appropriate response. Okay, well, let's get into those topics. Uh, all right, listeners, the first up is what game franchises do you miss the most and want to see return? I know we could all spend hours on that but let's try to keep that one uh, 10 minutes or less because two and three i feel like will take up the bulk of this episode number two pc versus console gaming again what is the best way to convince pc only players that video games are not inferior to temporary forms are not inferior or temporary forms of gaming because you know their whole entire existence is predicated on that we're some obsolete unnecessary existence like most of their collective egos um but i know we've discussed it before and for those who've listened before let me just say yeah we've discussed it before and we're going to probably discuss it again because if you pay attention every time we discuss a topic like this i don't get the same people i get different people so i can get different perspectives old questions don't go stale if you ask new people and number three moral gray areas in gaming exists anytime debt where it comes into existence. In your opinion, should game acquisition of dead titles be stigmatized by press and news industry, or should we instead look to lobby for preservation without profit, or some other methodology in regards to proper access to the aforementioned deadware? The primary reason I'm bringing up this question is not just because I got two new people to ask it to, but because uh, you both are in a unique position. Milk, you have a fucking conscience. You're a young person with a conscience theoretically you're not supposed to exist you exist as an anomaly in gaming because every single corporate person in the world is basically banking on you becoming an addict and spending unnecessary amounts of money for less material and 
basically saying that the entire gaming industry theoretically is supposed to be people like that which you're supposed to be so i like that you're not that and you were like one of the people who are almost too perfect to ask this question to and dr Vale, that goes to you too just because if memory serves uh besides having a conscience and much like myself having predetermined principles you if memory serves have a uh secondary degree in some form of ethics which means that you're one of the people I would want to ask this question the most, even if I'd never met you. Um, oh, I, I don't, I don't have a secondary degree in ethics, but just uh, being a, a psychologist, I have to think a lot about, you know, professional ethics, but either way you honor me, sir. <clears throat> okay. Well, either way, still want to ask you, because, you know, in your line of profession, ethics is the difference between having a career and not having one. Um, all right. So uh, as a new person, we will let you go second. Uh, Milk, uh, why don't you go ahead and answer question one? Then I'll answer question. Uh, then uh, Dr. Vale, you'll answer question one. Then I'll answer it last. That's usually how we go. Everyone answers one question at a time. Sometimes or in the old format, we would do, do all the questions at once. But the videos, for some reason, even though it was the same amount of people, uh, would inflate almost an extra 40 minutes. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. It, maybe it's just because, you know, when people are going through all their questions and someone has a question about what they said, they they'll answer each question about the topic instead of only asking a question at the end. I don't I don't know, but it was just an w- unusual thing. I'm not mad about it. Um, <laughs> all right. So go ahead, Milk. I'm going to put myself on mute. And, um, you know, Dr. Vale, if you can set yourself to push the talk or mute as well. And if you have an interjection, they are welcome as long as you keep them civil. Oh, I love civility in a in a group based podcast. Uh, so the this is this is an interesting thing, right? Um, because I it took me a long time to figure out what kinds of franchises that I'd want to bring back. Uh, a couple of things that I listed down aren't even really franchises; more specific IPs from franchises I enjoy. Uh, I'm just going to run through them really quickly, just to say their names, and then I can move on to the one that I actually want to see come back in its truer form, or that would be cool. Uh, so I have five. Uh, the Skate franchise I thought was fun. I didn't ever officially play Skate 3, but I watched videos of that game and I thought it was super funny and I'd love to see them bring it back. Apparently they're bringing one back and making like a fourth game in like mid-2024, so I'm holding my breath for that. Uh, the Portal series was a big part of my life growing up as like a teenager. Plants vs. Zombies, the original first two games, were a big part of my like growing up right before teenage years. Mario Galaxy and Galaxy 2 specifically are games that I still have very fond memories of. And because you can start to guess my age based on the answers that I've given, uh, honestly, I'm just going to go with like the staples of the Wii, which were like Wii Play, Wii Sports, and Wii Sports Resorts. So that was my rough list. But in general, I think the one that I want would want to bring back in one of its truer forms uh, would probably be Plants vs. Zombies. And I think it's really for no reason other than uh, it was a game that I bonded over a lot with my mom for some reason. It was like, you know, she she's not a big gamer. She recently got a Wii in 2024. God bless her. Uh, but me and her bonded a lot over the Plants vs. Zombies series uh, just in every capacity of it. I played the game a lot on my laptop when I was younger, uh, even so young as when I was maybe even still at a daycare, which Jesus Christ, that probably helps age everybody. That's what we need. Um, and honestly, I'm happy with, well, 
I'm not mad about what they've done with the Garden Warfare series, but it's definitely not a game that I can go back and play like I can with the original Plants vs. Zombies, as referenced by the fact that I still do go back and play it sometimes. So, uh, honestly, if I had to bring back a, a series in its original form, uh, as true as it kind of can be, while still maybe adhering to how things are done in modern days, I'd probably go with Plants vs. Zombies. Uh, and uh, that's that's my TED Talk. Thank you for coming. <laughs> okay. All right, Dr. Vale, go ahead. So, video game franchises that we want to bring back, huh? Well, man, am I going to date myself here a few times. There is a really cool old series called Road Rash. It's an old school motorcycle racing series that included uh, some cool, like, beat-em-up mechanics where you could, like, knock other people off of their motorcycles that had pretty cool writing. It had a really neat kind of flavor and style. And if memory serves, it was pretty much exclusively on the Sega. There might have also been like a, like a PlayStation era iteration of the series. And I, I'm not a big racing game fan, but I have enjoyed a few particular ones like Road Rash and then also Wipeout. So I would really enjoy seeing a a little bit more modernized. I, I wouldn't want it to be too terribly modernized just because there's a lot of modern AAA games that I, I don't necessarily love all the time. So that that's a big one that I would love to see brought back. Um, I'm also a very diehard fan of old school Silent Hill games, like really diehard fan. To the point where um, I must have a Silent Hill tattoo on me at some point in the near future. And I, I just, I, I know that there's been a lot of games in the series. There's almost an argument that just the the old school is the old school, and it's it's kind of an era that's done and over. But if the, if there were a way to bring that back, like really a, a lot more in the tradition of old school survival horror, a la Silent Hill. I would really like it. And I guess to close, uh, most people are familiar with the Dark Souls series. Um, Dark Souls 2 is actually probably my favorite video game on planet Earth ever. However, FromSoft did make an old school series of kind of dark fantasy games called Kingsfield, um, which was one of my introductions into the brilliance of FromSoft when it comes to fantasy games. And if they were to continue to make some first-person style, kind of slow-moving, gloomy, moody, interesting, dark fantasy games a la the Kingsfield series, I would be very happy. Well, I do have some partial good news for you. Um, I don't know how much of it, uh, or rather which ones are going to come out first, but there are four Silent Hill products simultaneously being worked on as of konami's announcement about two ish years ago maybe a full year ago and three of them of the four or two of the four are video games so you might have got lucky all right now okay well i do have some partial good news for you um i believe it was announced last year or maybe two years ago but uh 
There are four Silent Hill projects in the work, and either two of them or three of them are in fact video games. And one even had a trailer, but it was one of those, hey, this is a trailer showing you that we're working on something. Completely unnecessary shows no gameplay shits. So, yay, I guess, on some level. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm vaguely aware of those. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I think one of the biggest influences on me from the Silent Hill series was Akira Yamaoka's like, sound production and music. Wow, you really are a diehard. You actually know audio names. I know this one. Um, and I know that one. And i he's just a genius, Akira Yamaoka. I mean, just an absolute genius. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. We'll, we will see. All right. So as it pertains to me with question one, man... I could be here all fucking day, but I'm going to just give you like three, not my top three, but three. Number one, Beautiful Joe. And I'm going to tell you why. Beautiful Joe primarily is 3D characters moving on a 2D axis and the stage rotates around them. Here's my thing, though. Think about all the movie effects you could create or com- comical techniques and skills and abilities you could have if he had full range of motion. Imagine he uppercuts somebody and they hit the top of the screen and the frame shakes or they fucking when they do the uh, fast forward ability. There's actually like tornadoes and wind, you know, instead of him just setting things on fire and 2D pictures of him hitting random enemies. What if now he can just rotate his hand so fast that film rewinds or unwinds or he causes a you know a tornado like projectile like with storm they open the door to so much capability and possibility for a franchise that wasn't necessarily stale but has very few entries and they made one of the most robust creative things that they could and the minute they got to the fucking what was it the second game that was it we got a a shitty super smash brothers clone beat em up I believe there was a DS Beautiful Joe at some point. But really, we just got Beautiful Joe 1 and 2. Which, I don't even think they re-released ever. They never re-released them. Oh, they did the PS2 re-release. I wouldn't really count that as a re-release. Seeing as how those re-releases came out like 12 months, if even, after the original GameCube versions. It really does bother me. Because there's so much potential to do new things with Beautiful Joe. Especially if, you know, they actually get into that uh feel good gaming stuff that you know it's fun game but yes it has good child appeal without any hidden pervertity bullshit kami is off of it so i don't i'm pretty sure capcom's not gonna try to do some ignorant disturbing shit like they did with the first game for those who don't know what i'm talking about which is everybody i happen to play the game with a good sound system and later i became a video editor obviously so that game bugged me a little bit because i kept hearing like a weird glitch sound that wasn't a glitch so in the opening of the game of Beautiful Joe 1, uh, Joe is getting sucked off by his girlfriend in his dad's movie theater. They're both teenagers, or rather, if memory serves, they're both minors. Or rather, it shouldn't be there in the first place because this is a game that's rated E for everyone. But Kamiya is Kamiya, and he's a dirty old man, much like Kojima. However, at least Kojima has some level of control, I guess. It, it, it just fucking disgusted me as a kid 
when the game came out and it still bothers me as an adult but damn is it a fun game oh and yes it's like if you take that out of the equation (laughs) yeah and yes dante is in there and they put him in a speedo which was fucking weird like i'm well aware that japan much like a lot of countries don't necessarily the older folk have a concept of child appropriate material but there's no way in hell that everybody at capcom didn't say something my guess is they didn't have a standards and practices or ethics department at the time, which most companies didn't. So that's the main reason why it happened, because I'm going to tell you right now, there should not be an E for everyone game at any point in time where a grown ass man is in a speedo. I mean, the close, I mean, if it was the old school blocky days, like with Final Fantasy seven, that's okay. Dio didn't wear nothing but a champion belt and a speedo, but he looked like a wrestler, kind of like Zangief. Also, he looked like a chip piece of wood. He didn't look like an actual human being. Moving on. Uh, well, Sega's already doing a lot of the other stuff, I would say, at this point. But uh, I don't know if it counts as a franchise or a franchise on a franchise. But yeah, we keep seeing the Ninja Turtles pop up. But I want a Ninja Turtles game that is an action adventure. We have not had an action adventure in Ninja Turtle game ever. We've had fighting games. We've had beat-em-ups. That's it. That's it. I want an action adventure Ninja Turtles game. Well, give me Ninja Turtles RPG. The Ronin looks like it's going to basically be a Devil May Cry Bayonetta situation. I'm not mad at that. It's hard to get turtles in technical high combat situations in games. I don't know why. We just too addicted to the beat em up nostalgia, I guess. And the last one to close it out. This may sound a little bit weird because technically it's, it's dead, but it's not dead. I want to see video game only card and board games because card games and board games have been stuck on mobile phones or they've been attached to giant big ass franchises like Yu-Gi-Oh! No, I want to see a card game and board game that's completely self-contained. It does not thrive off of a server and getting uh, downloaded assets. I want to see a digital or virtual card game that is completely dependent on making good calls decisions and shit like that and it just gets ported on the new system after new system and they add new features and new functions and new card types normally when we get that it's an independent title and guess what once they make it they make it that's it maybe you get a dlc expansion but that's it i want to see somebody basically make a magic the gathering or a Yu-Gi-Oh type card game obviously a lot more balanced that's specifically for video gamers. Maybe there's a mobile option, but the primary thing is that it's not going to expire or die just because, oh, well, we didn't generate a massive amount of ungodly, unnecessary profit from it. Oh, well, I guess we should kill it off. Because if you all something think about it, you really only see a board game in a video game if it's a Jack in the Box product or a Milton Bradley product. Why are they the only ones? We had explosive, real world, physical board game growth, I believe almost double or triple what it was four or five years ago but it still is not like trickled down in the video games you basically got monopoly or itagaki street special which i forgot what they labeled in north america so yeah now that brings us into our second question pc versus console gaming so uh what is the best way to convince the pc crowd do you think and again we're going to start off with you milk because you have a unique well stake in this race (laughs) 
Oh boy, yeah. I, I think I actually might have referred talked about this once with my buddies on an old podcast that we were running. Uh, I guess it was more tangential than it was anything, and it ended up getting to that point. But the whole thing we were arguing at the time was like a Steam Deck versus a Nintendo Switch situation, talking about like the Steam Deck's ability to take over a PC for like really cheap and a bunch of other bullshit. Doesn't really matter. But one of the main things that was brought up there that I think is at least um, one good thing to uh, add into the argument to try and convince PC players to get their heads out of their asses is honestly like the fact of you being able to play like couch what the like couch co-op games on a console with uh infinite degrees of uh ease compared to how you would have to do something like that on a pc i feel like most of the time if people uh, who only play on pc are looking at games they're looking at it strictly from either a single player mode where they are just playing a game by themselves or they are referring to games that are strictly online multiplayer only and so i feel like a lot of them have forgotten about like the appeal of the couch co-op being a thing that i guess to be fair probably the reason they don't think about it is because it hasn't been really talked about and it hasn't really been utilized and people haven't really been taking as great of an advantage of it as they once once did in the past so it's not really at the forefront anymore do you want better it was never in the lexicon of the fucking pc gamer like when they play well, yeah. video games and they try to do co-op, somebody had to be on keyboard, someone had to be on controller. Couch op never came into their lexicon. That was exclusive to video games. Yeah, that is a good point. I think most people who, yeah, because I, I guess when you're referring to PC only players, you are referring to somebody who didn't necessarily make the jump from a console to a PC and then stay on PC forever. But we're more looking at people who have who started playing games on PC and have never looked back and have never switched over to a console. Hell, they, they maybe have never even gone to a buddy's house and played a game on a console. I don't fucking know. I'm not here to judge them or I'm not here to to try and psychoanalyze their life choices. I'm here to judge them uh, and psychoanalyze their life choices. Fair enough. You know, I'll let you do that when it's your turn. <laughs> um, I don't know. That that was kind of immediately what kind of stuck in my head is like, oh, you can play couch co-op games. One of the other things that came up in this previous discussion that I had been mentioning is like, I don't know. It sounds lazy as shit, I'll admit. But sometimes I really just don't. I want to play a game, but I really don't want to like have to go through like the whole process like there's not much of a process to like turning on your computer and playing a fucking game uh but to a certain degree it somehow feels like it's significantly more casual and significantly more chill and significantly um less brain power i guess if i'm just like you know what i want to play i want to play an old game on xbox or i want to go play some miscellaneous story game on a console that I don't have on a PC or a game I have on a console that literally does not exist on PC. Um, and so just having that freedom to at ease, just boot up the console and just move on with my day rather than feeling like I kind of have to like get myself set up to prepare for like a session. Uh, I guess I'm looking at that from more of like a casual gamer perspective where it's like, you know, I don't got to, I don't got to get myself like mentally prepared. I don't, I don't got to like, uh, I don't got to warm up. Like I'm going to go play a fucking competitive league tournament or something. Um, I, you know, so that's kind of one stake that I hold in it is just the, the casual ability for me to just grab a thing and just go and just do it. Um, and then 
I don't know. I feel like the last thing is with the increase in games and IPs actually being ported over to newer consoles. Uh, it certainly still isn't happening at the rate that it maybe should be, but the fact that it's happening more, I think, is helping to take the edge away from the fact that PCs have like a few platforms they get their games from, and those platforms, you know, continue in perpetuity. So, with with you know constant porting over to new consoles, becoming more normalized and becoming a bigger thing. Uh, th- that would be another thing that I would probably try and use to dissuade people like, you know, like that. But if I'm honest, I also don't talk to people who literally only have ever played PC games because I don't like them very much. So that's where my head's at. I mean, they're very, very good at self alienating because, you know, despite what most people think about it, they're a lot of them are actual nerds. And before anyone assumes what that means, I'm talking about go look up the textbook definition. Uh, That being said, you know, how long are you really going to last around somebody when you start yelling out PC masteries? Like, were you expecting to make friends with some stupid shit like that? And they get mad at me and offended at me when I tell them, like, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think that was going to be a positive stance? That would be like going up to someone's mom and saying, hey, what's your bra size? And then being mad when she wants to slap you. A bit of a reach of an analogy, but I understand what you're getting at. <laughs> yeah. All right, Doctor. Always Hine. found the whole. Yeah, I've, I've always found the whole debate between that whole thing to be just really perplexing and kind of a false dichotomy. But I, I can I can sort of understand because yeah, of course there really is a whole thing um, that you're pointing at, and I, you know you're talking to someone where um, the phone I am recording with you on is literally sitting on top of my new um, republic of gamers laptop i bought myself um, over the holidays but i am primarily and overwhelmingly a console gamer i have been ever since i was a kid and i i just think that you know i the console gaming is really awesome because it's got a lot of good just kind of pick up and play it's it's everything's really kind of clean simple and easy there there's a kind of fun element to being like, well, I'm a PlayStation person. I'm an Xbox person. I'm Nintendo. I like a little bit of everything. And there's a little something to that kind of like fan and brand loyalty that can be kind of fun. Um, Whereas you've got the types who really like to like to nerd out over every little spec on a PC. I've, I've never really been that interested in specs. I've been, I've always been a lot more interested in like user experience and the the number of times that I have paid a lot of money for a game on a PC to then have it not work um, is, is just maddening because no no console gamer would ever have to accept that experience. So mostly, when I deal with PC gamers, I'm just like, and, and how many hundreds of dollars have you wasted on? you know, games that work and how much fun do you get having to manage all the bugs with windows and everything like that. But don't get me started on that because I might have a gaming laptop, but I'm, I'm overwhelmingly an Apple fan. So I, I enjoy that kind of like curated, stable plug and play. You don't have to manage a bunch of stuff on your own mindset, which many of the PC gamer types would be like, well, that that's why you're not one of us because we change out the RAM and the video card and everything like that. And I'm like, hey, that's great. I, I'm not really interested in all that. <laughs> I'm just not. 
Okay, well, I forgive you for liking Macs, not PC gamer shit. I just have a personal vendetta against Mac that is as undying as the stars in the sky. So for me, look. You can still be my friend. Yes, I forgive you. Um, so for me, look. I have no problem psychologically damaging fucking PC people because there's a difference between that guy that just yells out PC master race and doesn't actually think about who the fuck he says it to and what it actually means and how it makes them look. I get it. Sometimes that shit happens to everybody, but there's also a vast majority who are incel like and when cell like, cause you know, this is, this isn't based on one sex. Both of them do this bullshit. Um, that don't want to care as long as they feel superior, which means that the real problem is more like a personality issue. Because if you need to feel better about yourself by putting down someone who's using a different device than you by choice, nine times out of 10, there's a genuine fucking problem and video games didn't cause it. As far as I'm concerned, I think that truly the only way is the one way that never gets said. I think the only way is if whoever is on the God tier lexicon of PC gaming, not celebrities, but like engineers, designers, developers, and company CEOs start telling you, shut up about PC games. Shut up about council games. Stop fighting. This is a pointless, unnecessary war. Okay? If Gabe Newell, in his infinite laziness, from sitting on his ass all day and counting money and Phil Spencer maybe because he's in that weird gray area we obviously know he's trying to get into making PC games only because he thinks we stupid but if those two and maybe just some development companies that make games for both PC and video games all got together and said hey listen this is our public uh, PSA shut the fuck up because they don't want to listen because everybody else is just coping and making up excuses because they're not on their level. That's what the logic boils down to. Oh, I'm not going to listen to you because you're not on my level. I don't care if you're right. You're not on my level. You can switch it out the words very easily. Oh, I don't care what you say about PC games. You don't have a desktop. Ew, you play on a laptop. You can't even change your RAM. <laughs> like it doesn't stop because they just want to feel right. They don't care if they're wrong. They want to feel right. But if Someone, some little five or 10 year old and some 30, 40 year old man can say, hey, you know, the guys who make all those games you like said that you're a fucking idiot if you think like this and you look insecure. Go right ahead. I've never seen someone with a Lambo. Not, I don't think how many people. I know nine people with a Lambo. And anytime I've seen what the fuck and anytime I've seen them pull up or go someplace and they see that they're surrounded by regular cars, never see them get out of the car and go, ha ha, you don't have a Lambo. You know that that person would be a pretentious piece of shit who's insecure and you want to beat his ass. But for some reason, these PC people, they will tell you the exact cost of everything they fucking got in their shit and expect you to be in awe of them. It it just blows my mind. So in short, I have absolutely no hope. I think the only thing that could happen is if the actual companies that make the things that they like tell them to shut the hell up collectively so it can always be thrown in their face. 
So instead of them becoming humble by using common sense, they just cannot overcome something and they eventually leave you alone. Because when people love arguing, the only way to truly beat them is to have them show them a logic that they can't get past. All right, so uh, let's bring this on home. Milk, tell us how you feel about deadware. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. Because of the uh, the clarification that I had to make kind of at the beginning before we started this, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of time to figure out how I what I think should be done about this. But honestly, uh, this is a kind of hopeful, albeit probably not likely thing that I would like to see happen as it pertains to deadware and like, you know, anything that is physically incapable of of existing in like the modern era on the modern machinery and whatnot. Uh, but I feel like as soon as you stop, as soon as if, if first it starts with, with uh, us as a collective society, not demonizing people who have to like pirate games that they physically don't have access to anymore. You know, if you have a way to get access to the game in like a safe, ethical, efficacious way, then you probably should do that. But as soon as you teeter into the territory of like, there's literally no way I can get a hold on this. I'm not spending, you know, 10 times the amount because somebody wants to fucking, uh, oh, what's the word? I don't know. Somebody wants to scam me for it, essentially. Scalp. Uh, yeah, scalp. Thank you. I was, I knew it started with a C. I was thinking like shell or something. It's not the right word. Anybody, it's like, you know, somebody's trying to scalp me for 10 times the amount that I want to pay for this game that really has no business costing that much. But it only costs that much because of the fact that you can't really get it anymore. As soon as it gets to that level, it's like, all right, we as a society need to accept that that is a natural result of what's going to happen. People are going to find ways to pirate it and whatnot. Uh, and so as soon as we stop demonizing that, then that opens up the door for healthier ways to be able to get those games in a way that is... I mean, maybe not the most official in the world. Like I couldn't just go to my local GameStop or Target or any other store that, you know, is selling physical games and go get it. Obviously, that's not to be expected, but at least having some way to to get access to that starts with probably removing a stigma on pirating games of that caliber. Uh, and then I, I don't really know how you would put this into practice, but I feel like. If somebody has the ability to, like, you know, in in mass or at least on a relatively large scale, is able to reproduce that game because they have the files, but the company that has them won't give them out, or maybe the company that owns that IP or that game or whatever doesn't have it anymore. Maybe they do have it and they just don't want to give it out, whatever. I feel like it would be nice if we gave that responsibility to the people who do have them. Because, like, in the context of the initial example you were giving where you were like, maybe there's so many acquisitions that have occurred that the the company that acquired this company that acquired the original company that made that game doesn't know that they have access to that IP. At that point, it's like maybe you should be handing the reins over or it should at least be a more normalized thing to hand the reins over and basically have the reproduction of that be at the hands of the people who do have access to it and who do know that they have it as kind of silly as that sounds. No, um, not silly. And I mean, I don't really know if there's like a, in a way to make that kind of official, but you know, 
then that's where you kind of get into like preservation without profit where it's like i'm not trying to steal your you know 30 year old game or 40 year old game or whatever and sell it to just make money for myself because you won't fucking do it but it's just like you know people still want to play these games as evidenced by the fact that the internet exists and you can see people wanting to play those games so to some degree the people who have access to redistribute them in a safe and ethical way should be allowed to do that it's just a matter of if they will be allowed to do it. And that's basically it. That was fucking beautiful for someone who claims that they didn't really have more than like 20, 30 minutes to prepare. I just want to took three that years out. of debate. I know how to bullshit my way through a lot of things. Thank you for the compliment. Three years of debate. <laughs> oh, you went to a prestigious school. All right. No, all right. I didn't. I, this, this was the lowest funded school in all of my district. God damn. It still is. <laughs> Hunger Games. Two-time National Forensics League competitor in the national tournament um, when I was in high school. So from one, although I was a, I I was primarily like an extemporaneous and oratorical speaker, but. That's fun. I just love how exactly like we know what all of those words mean. Mm. It's a high school debate terms. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you went to the prestigious school. Got it. Hey, what a coincidence. (laughs) It's your turn. Well, I will confess, I I don't really feel like I know a lot about this topic from the specifics of kind of like the business and law arrangements. But but I it's just really hard because it's like it feels like we're in territory where it is so hard to separate some of the like the formal stuff about what's who owns what versus some of the, the like sensible arguments about like preservation without profit and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like, look, it's a 30 year old game. A one honeybee. I, all I know is that there's, there's certainly a level of frustration for me in terms of being able to access things that are really old school. Uh, one game for me that I would just absolutely a one probably DJ. pay a hundred dollars right now to just like have on my phone so that I could just pick it up and tinker with it whenever I wanted is this really old school game called the secret of evermore it's a it's a somewhat obscure game i I believe it's a god are they called squaresoft square the the like final fantasy people my my at any rate i i believe it's by it's 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 by someone like that some company like that and and they made just one game it's this really interesting RPG-like game from that old-school era. I, I believe it was on the Super Nintendo. It was either that or the Sega. I'm not remembering specifically right now. So so for me, I, I just have such an angst to be able to play that game. And I loved it so much when I was a kid that I'll even, every year or two, watch an entire Let's Play on YouTube just because I want to see the sights, I want to hear the sounds, I just want to see the game being played. And, and it just feels like there's some kind of way where it's like, come on, guys, just to somehow give me access to this game. Now, I, I personally, I'm a bit stuffy about, you know, legal stuff. I, 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 you know, think that people should try to follow the law, but I don't want to get down into that rabbit hole because obviously it can be really nuanced because just because something's the law doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't open for a lot of discussion about whether it's decent, useful, ethical, blah, 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 blah. So I, I don't really have much else to say on this topic specifically because I just don't feel like I have the knowledge of how the industry works, how the law works, 
how to like legitimately protect companies' property rights versus deal with what seems sensible for consumers um, in circumstances. So that's that's one game where whatever needs to be figured out, I would just love for them to figure it out. And if they just wanted to to put that game on some mobile platform like iOS or the or maybe even the Switch or something like that, even for some big ridiculous price, I love it so much that I would just cheerfully pay it so that I can play it whenever I want. I would check the text section of this video. I mean, of this Discord. I would check the text section of this Discord. All right, my turn. Look, on this very podcast, in real life, if you've met me and we've spoken, or anyone who understands the difference between a conspiracy theorist and a and an analytic conversation about the future of gaming or media production entertainment, I've been saying possibly most of my adult life, the minute Napster happened, yeah, Napster, that thing that Milk probably was, is a fucking younger than. The minute Napster happened, the minute Torrance happened, a nuclear clock essentially started ticking. But not for, you know, humanity's destruction. I don't know why people think it'll destroy a planet. Nukes can't really destroy a planet, even if you launched every single one that exists. But, um, believe me when I tell you, believe me when I tell you, these people who run these corporations, they don't care about what something is worth. They care about what they can sell it for. And if they can't sell it, they can't find it, or they don't think it can get them a massive amount of return, a lot of them don't give a fuck. They pretend to give a fuck. Or they will give a fuck when they see shit being stolen, when it's not really being stolen. They don't have a way to access it. I want to remind people something. Video games are not international or pan-international, if that's even a word seems kind of redundant. So there are countries that will have a Super Nintendo and then they don't get another Nintendo console until maybe the Wii U. Those poor bastards. There are some countries where there has been no penetration. Take it how you will. Keep the jokes to yourself. And then there are burgeoning markets, as in new markets. So let me ask you something. If you know damn well that the Japanese or the North American version of a company that makes games for the system you like is not going to bring back into physical production the system that they made 20 years ago that they haven't made games for in 20, 25 years. And it's just not even in your language. There's no, well, there technically is not a rights holder in that area. What the fuck choice do you have except emulation? That's how this works. We want access to something. They want to sell us access instead of selling us the product. The problem is, as people learn with that PlayStation stuff, which I told people would happen one day, and I'm not joking, I legit told them, hey, listen, buy anything you own on there. Don't fall for that licensing shit. Because if you get on that PlayStation streaming bundle premium service, one day... Half the stuff you love or all the stuff you love is going to go bye-bye. And they might not renegotiate because they don't have to. Because they're trying to make video games work like television syndication. Now, I'm going to explain that real quick because I've learned very quickly that a lot of people don't understand how syndication works. We think we do. 
Yes, it does mean a TV show or movie will air or display on another channel or on another channel of a company that did not make it. That's only half the story. Those rights get renegotiated and get sold off almost like in an auction for every single region that that product shows up in. Seinfeld. They ain't made no new episodes since 2000. But guess what? Seinfeld airs in almost every single country that there is television every single day. So if Seinfeld is airing in fucking Baghdad, someone had to pay the company that made Seinfeld, a.k.a. Fox, a licensing fee to air however many seasons or however many episodes and however many many time slots they choose. They had to pay for that. Same with the movie. Now imagine, imagine if the video game ministry tried to emulate that system. We would all be shafted. So they're doing the next best thing. They want to get temporary licenses to get a bunch of people onto a service, but then they don't make the licenses sync licenses, which bonds it to the product or the asset. And they don't want to get licenses that are permanent. Indefinite shared revenue licenses. I don't know the technical name for that one, but I just call them what they are. Indefinite shared revenue licenses. Those don't exist right now. Not because no one's thought of it, but because the game industry will not fucking do it. Because it's much easier to throw something online, unless you're Nintendo, and get you to buy it. And then when it's going, not give a shit. But what did we say earlier? A lot of the companies don't always stay in existence. They can make a good game. They can make a game of sales, but because they didn't make profit, the whole entire company disbands. So now you got a license holder who's an individual, not a company. Now, how are you going to find the individual who's got the license? They don't exactly go around advertising that shit. Give you the best example. Everyone and their mom was talking about L.A. Noir. I don't know if you guys remember that, but people would not shut up about that in 2011. You know why? Because that game was utilizing, at the time, unheard of facial capture technology. And it was a genre and style that practically went extinct in the gaming, which is essentially murder mystery. Not horror, murder mystery on some level, because you are a police interrogator and a police officer and a, de- and a detective. Now, unless you're on a PC and some old 2D games and shit, you don't get too many games like that on a video game system. And guess what? The company went out of business, even though the game was considered great, not two years after the game came out. A publisher doesn't own the rights. They have a right to publish the game in a set region or multiple regions. But they don't own the rights to the game unless the publisher paid for it. For example, Tri-Ace, technically I believe is owned by Square Enix. But Tri-Ace has made Star Ocean and Valkyrie Profile. But guess what? Square Enix owns Valkyrie Profile. So Tri-Ace themselves can't make a new Valkyrie Profile game without permission from Square Enix. Ain't that weird? They made it from scratch. But since it was commissioned by Square Enix or Square Soft at the time, they can make a new one if they wanted to. And they really do want to. I've actually spoken to some Tri-Ace people. I was almost uh, going to do an interview with some of them at one point. Um, That shit's crazy. How many fucking mangas for video games that people love or audio dramas for video games that people love never come to North America. Because if a company doesn't grab it, it doesn't come out. 
Think about it. Mega Man had books, comic books, dating back, I believe, as far as 1991 or 92. We didn't get Mega Man stuff, Mega Man comics that weren't related to Battle Network series over here until 2009. Despite how popular Mega Man is. Or should I say was at the time. It's crazy. They don't care. But they get mad when they see a lot of people getting a lot of shit collectively. And this is a fun quote that I, I thought was hilarious. I'm sure we all know about the Pirate Bay, you know, uh, the media world's boogeyman. One of the owners, because they, they, they sued and put, they sued most of them and they put one of them in jail. But the owner that they put in jail straight up said, not only do I not have $130 million, if I did, I would burn it in front of you and I wouldn't give you the ashes. That was one of the coldest things I ever heard somebody say. That's hard as hell. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't go to American jail. He did like two years or something because what people don't seem to understand is that Pirate Bay in and of itself is not made to buy and steal media. It's made to send files to transfer files like Dropbox. But Pirate Bay, even if they put in a term of service and disclaimer, we will ban and block your account if you put on any material you don't have a license for and you just try to distribute it to a wide audience they don't care they were the name that was the most synonymous with piracy limewire was dead napster was a faded memory that no one can even remember under the age of 30 so who's the next best thing the one they can't kill but here's the problem they made it worse for themselves because you know why you know what happened when he got out well, the other two went to do other companies that did exactly what they were initially trying to do, which is file transfer and data security. He kept the shit running. And I believe he specifically gave it to an entity that is always changing and that always makes backups of the account after backup, after backup, after backup. So now they've made, created a Hydra situation, meaning for every one Pirate Bay website they try to kill or succeed in killing, two more pop up with all the original information and data. Listen, I don't know who needs to hear this, but I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't care what ignorant celebrity manipulated you because they didn't know no better or they did. I don't care what giant billion dollar, hundred million dollar corporation tells you you don't deserve to have shit looking at you, Bob Iger. Mind you, Kevin didn't have this idea. Bob did when he came back. But listen, if you want to watch a TV show and you don't have the internet, you don't even have the ability to download the shit. I will never be mad at you for archiving it because it's not that you don't want to pay for it. It's that you're being forced into not being able to own it. Reminder, depending on what country and state you live in, we don't even own our video games. We own, we get access to a license that can be revoked at any point in time or taken from us. We own the piece of plastic that the CD is on. Depending on your state and country. It's fucking crazy. Let's not forget that Apple and a bunch of other companies, including those printer companies... Those rat bastards literally went on an almost two year campaign to try to sue people for selling third party ink for their printers, as well as people who would repair printers. They actually tried that. And in some places they succeeded some place, And in some places they didn't. They tried to destroy the ability and concept of having a third party market sell something as an accessory to your product or for people who can repair it 
They literally try to block them from being able to repair it. It's fucking disgusting. I remember seeing something earlier today that said that certain printer companies are trying to make, are looking at making people pay a, pay a subscription to print oh, off their stuff. No, no, no. That's, that's not try. That already happened. I was a victim uh, of that bullshit. It basically, if, if you got the big, the it's the two the biggest companies, it's HP and somebody else. If you got a printer that came out after 2015, you cannot put in any form of ink cartridge that they don't give you. And also, even if you do have good ink, um, they can potentially lock up the device. Even if you got full ink, because they want you to be on a subscription plan to print shit your damn self. They want you on a subscription plan to be able to fucking print. God, I'm so pissed. Sounds like one more good reason to hate printers. Yes, one more reason I'm not fucking printing anything. <laughs> I hate printers. Like, I, I, I have one just because there's been enough situations where I've kind of had to. But I, even even aside from, you know, Zach's justifiable objections to just like the those kinds of business arrangements with those companies. I just I just think printers are maddening. You know, like I'm I'm, I'm just an enthusiastic kind of like end user of technology I'm usually pretty handy with most things, but but printers I've just found to be just like infuriatingly and almost supernaturally vexing, <laughs> you know, where it'll just be like, okay, it, it is it is the next day. I printed yesterday. Nothing has changed. There has been no software update to either the printer or my computer. But for some reason, I now cannot print over Wi-Fi. And I have no idea why. And and just probably that. So, you ain't paying a yeah, just as an fee. aside, you know. Probably because you ain't paying a subscription fee. Yeah. That sure might be the case. Yeah, but I've I've encountered that. it was a few years ago that I encountered that. I'm like, what? A subscription? To be yeah. able to print. I mean, I'm it's it's just like it, it's just a yeah, it's it's uh, interesting. But um, once you brought up, I was about to I was about to give you some crap, Zach, and be like, I don't believe that Apple's ever made a printer oh, i don't know that don't but then you said right to repair stuff and i was like yeah hey yeah, fair enough fucked. yep yeah um it, it's fucking dumb so now really it's based on how how badly have they pissed off the country that they're selling in so now we have entire counter companies instead of counterculture i call them counter companies we have companies that make printers that don't do that shit because the other ones did that shit. And since they don't have the market share to advertise and heavily promote, a lot of people don't even know they exist. I believe the one that doesn't do it is called Brother Printer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're simple, easy to use. And they're all in ones, too. And there's no subscription. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say the next time if I go to, if I go if I like, ever get a printer, they do one day have and I pull subscription it up plans, but the subscription plan yeah. is like for like companies who like they are printing like hundreds and hundreds of shit daily. Yeah, I believe that is like one of the only ones in North America. But you know, don't quote me on that. I'll tell you off the bat, no bullshit. Just check YouTube because anytime somebody pisses people off with uh any type of right to repair or forced subscriptions there's someone on youtube making a video about here's how you get around it or here's a company that doesn't do that fuck those other guys 
and I fucking love them for it. I believe Brothers That's what I'm usually all about. is a it's Filipino company. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 a lot more about just like just vote with your dollars, you know, just a bit. It's not always possible, you know, but but where possible, just be like no, and then go track down, you know, a company where you just can have the arrangements that you want. Yeah, um, honestly, it's it's fucking disgusting, and the worst part of it is is that they will actually spend money and time and marketing to try to tell everybody hey we're not doing this because we have to we're doing this because this is what you want guys no the fuck i don't there was somebody literally 48 hours ago some big ceo i think they were at ubisoft or they were a head of a department for an entire country that said uh people need to get used to not owning the games that they play i was like oh you must be talking to pc gamers this thing has shit to do with me Turns out they weren't talking about PC gamers, right? About everyone. Yeah. And their excuse was, is because, well, games are getting so expensive to create. No, they're not. They don't have to be expensive to create. You have to stop being stupid and selfish and self-serving. That's it. That's it. Oh, man. When I, uh, when I was talking about that in the, uh, when I brought up the Ubisoft executive in that like rant portion that I did about old games versus new games, called him a greedy little bastard and then was tempted to go look up what his height was and then make a joke about that like little bastard referring to he's like five nine or something, but I Yeah, I don't I don't know. I I do not have any faith in a company that tells us to do that while they're also trying to push that they want people to spend more money on games as well. And they don't even have a fucking consistent quality track record. Yeah, they didn't even acknowledge. Hey, we're producing these Assassin's Creed games too much and at an unholy rate to the point where there's been a dramatic quality decrease uh, recently. Like, no, bitch, it's been like that for about a dozen years. We're gonna slow down and have a different approach. And then they go and make Valhalla, and now spinning in Valhalla's face, they're like, oh, get used to not owning shit and everything being online all the time, streaming DRM, blah 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 blah. And I'm just like. You're making, you're building an audience of people who are going to teach their children and show their children this is bullshit. And then someone is going to make a game system. If you guys, if everyone and their mom stops, which they're not, Nintendo's not going to stop making game systems. They don't mind being the only show on the, they don't mind being the only horse in the race. Um, Sony is more like, they want to have power in any single market that involves an electronic device. Let's be honest. They have cameras. They're insanely good. They've been making movies. They're actually one of the most powerful music companies in the entire country. Almost since they got here. Not many people can say that. Um, And and, and they're never going to leave. Xbox, I could take them and leave them because I don't fuck with Xbox. And Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer is a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm convinced he wants to have everything be on a streaming service like Netflix for video games. Because he himself thinks that it'll get him a shit ton of money. But he's pretending to be a council gamer and enthusiast because he has to do that as someone who's in charge of Xbox. I think he just wants money. He doesn't want to make good products. Because let me ask you something. How hard would it really have been to make a good Halo game? They made three good ones. Four sucked, apparently. But it wasn't to the point where people didn't want to fucking play it. But they kept finding things to take away from it. And now they go and make an entire Halo MMO that has nothing to do in it. 
Why did that happen? Because this guy wants everything to be on a fucking streaming service or a monthly subscription plan. The problem is, is that, hey, dumbass, if you wanted to make a stream box, that shit already happened. Remember when Valve kept saying, oh, we're going to kill video games with a like, not even arrogantly. He said it like it was an already foregone conclusion and he didn't even make this shit after two years. Anybody remember the Steam box? I do. Uh, yeah, I know you don't. And then 20 versions <laughs> of them came out within two years. I was like, you fucking idiot. The minute they let more than one version exist, they fucked up. Video game systems work because we learn from what Sega did. And I'm saying that as someone who likes Sega sometimes. Sega's problem was they kept trying to make the old systems adaptable to new systems by having them connect to each other. Instead of stopping what they're doing cold turkey, making a new system. And then here comes Steam or Gabe Newell in his infinite ignorance. <laughs> and he says... Well, I guess it's time for me to kill the video game industry. Let me go make a Steam box. And you can make a Steam box. And you can make a Steam box. And you can make a Steam box. Nothing. And then, oh yeah, we spent uh, six, seven years on the controller. Well, that was a waste of six or seven years. Does it take you six or seven years to make a controller? I don't... <laughs> because the Steam controller was meant to emulate mouse movement on both sides of the controller. Right? So they have oh, two uh, giant yeah. touch sensors that are circular shaped instead of square like with the PS4 where you normally expect to have analog sticks or a D-pad. Yeah, I just found it. This looks uh this look this looks, looks like, like vaporware in the way that I would explain it. <laughs> Damn. Damn, that's fake. Thinking. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it, and it's still functional for when you play a game through Steam. My point is is that he's stupid for even trying that shit. And then to top it off, um none of them had built-in modems. So you know what that means? If you're not physically injecting the game in a CD drive, which none of them really had, you putting it in on a USB. So that means you would have to go and download this shit if you don't have online onto the box. And reminder, the cool thing about video game systems is that they're not necessarily meant to always be online. Everyone in their mom wants to say, oh, everything is going to be digital soon. It's like, no, everything is not going to be online on a server via license. Because we know you can't be trusted with that shit. Every time they do something, the first thing that's going to happen is that we're going to take that shit and we're going to turn it into a torrent so it can be properly preserved and archived. And I'm not saying I'm going to do it. I'm saying I know for a fact the gaming industry, the game players as a collective are going to do it. Because there's never been a game system that's come out past the year 1989 where we didn't have somebody actively go back and archive the entire history of games. I want to remind people of something. Every single video game, starting from Xbox going backwards, takes up less than three terabytes. Every single game for the North American region, collectively, take up less than three terabytes. Now let me ask you something. If you're a little kid, you got to pay a streaming service, and you like to play a game, but they purposely halt your progression... Or they have a basic feature that you can't get to unless you have to go online or pay for it. But your allowance is, <coughs> excuse me, your allowance is trash. But mommy and daddy show you this is what games used to be or how games are on the independent market. What do you think that kid's going to do? 
You think they're going to say, well, I guess I'm going to have to find a bunch of bullshit jobs to do as a minor and I'm going to spend hundreds of dollars over the course of, you know, however long it takes me until I'm a grown ass adult and pay you 100, 200, 300, 400 dollars for an HP bar in my fighting game. Or I'm going to go play the entire Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Dead or Alive collection and everything else that came out in, uh, before I was born. We all know what the answer is. You go where you're going to have fun. Addiction is not fun. It's stressful. And then having my time be bullshitted and corrupted into me, me needing to buy time savers, literally creating an artificial problem and selling you an artificial solution. Why the fuck would I do that? Look at all these fighting games that come out. No matter what happens, as long as it's a good fighting game, it doesn't matter if a new version comes out. There will be a tournament online or offline for it. Guilty Gear just got rolled back. The 2D Guilty Gears. There hasn't been a 2D Guilty Gear since 2010 or 11. They just got rolled back last year. People are still playing that fighting game. We didn't know we would get a Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Ask Dr. Vale. We didn't know that that shit was going to happen. But guess what? Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which is an incomplete rushed together game, had tournaments for over a decade. <laughs> So believe me when I tell you, fuck them. They don't respect me. They pretend to respect my money. They don't respect my money. They want my money. I got no problem with saluting someone or shaking a hand to somebody who decides, oh, they think that we're only going to fuck with MMO always online games like we're in South Korea. And no, that's not a stereotype of the people. For those who don't know, the South Korean game industry works almost completely backwards from the North American one. Video game systems practically don't exist out there. Everything's on PC and your game more than likely features an online connectivity aspect and it's free to play and it could go out of business even if it's fun at the drop of a hat just because it gets a low player count because for some reason they don't understand the concept of having an offline version of their fucking game. And a few companies that do only have that if they made it big outside of South Korea. Take Dungeon Fighter. People don't realize, but Dungeon Fighter is the got the biggest player base of any RPG. You know why? Because Dungeon Fighter can run on a fucking potato computer. Some like Dungeon <laughs> Fighter has been around since Windows XP. It's a 2D sprite-based beat-em-up RPG or action RPG. And it's co-op online MMO. They made a lot of money. But guess what? They also have now decided. They're going to overhaul the entire game in 3D, still have the exact same shit with the exact same way and put it out on mobile and PC online, and they're still going to have an offline. They have a fighting game now, and they have a future, um, what is it called? And they have a, uh, damn it. Oh, they have a Bloodborne-like Elden Ring type game that's supposed to come out either this year or next year. They did the exact reverse of everything these other companies are trying to do, minus Nintendo. They took their online-only, always-getting-money-free-to-play game, and they funded offline games, or games that are capable of having an offline mode or functionality, and that can be played alone and don't require consistent money investments to keep it going. You know how crazy that is? We got an entire country lying to us saying that, no, we're going to force you into it. And then here's another country that's had that system for literally almost my entire lifespan 
And they said, hey, let's go try out this single player thing. It looks fun. That's the world we live in. That's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's insane. It's a little hard for me to, you know, hear companies complaining that they're getting more expensive. When they're the games. ones who are I mean, spending again, the money. Yeah. Well, and, and it's also like my, my issue. And, I, and you know, man, I, I feel old, like a stereotypical old man being like, in my day, we had simpler stuff. And, you know, now stuff's all complicated. But but I, I feel That's exactly what I it is, though, like that. Yeah. Well, I, I feel that way about about a lot of modern games like, um, you know, like where there, there's just so much bloat and noise in in so many modern AAA games like there there's all these just hyper convoluted micro mechanisms yeah completely unnecessary that's what make the witcher little and side questy so things fun. you know just like it, it yeah it's it's just maddening you know like it's it, it's really mad it's, but, i mean and, and now i'll grant you i i have this like <laughs> intensity about liking focused pure kind of ways of, of operating in a lot of things and I, I i tend to be that way about video games too but there's just so many of them where i'm like you could have taken so much of this crap and just cut cut it in half and it would probably just be so much of a better game if you then like just did better with what really matters in this game and i could i could think of countless examples you know that I've I've played recently where I I'm just like you know I don't even understand why and you know half of the stuff is here it's just noise bro you know like bro that is like, exactly one example what of that is like I endless said. crafting stuff that in so many exactly games like that's everything everything's got crafting in it just maddening I'm sorry no no no, no 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 I agree that's exactly what the fuck I said yesterday I play RPGs I play adventure games I basically play anything that's not a first person shooter I don't hate them they just have a hard time keeping my interest and in some of those games I'm like why is there crafting here and also, how is my character even crafting this shit? It's not even connected to the story. I go into a menu and make this shit, and then it just appears. There's no mention of it. It's like, why is this here? And then I go and look. Oh, you can pay $60 to get a discount on getting all these extra crafting materials. Yep, there it is. There it is. It also feels like it's just like this. I, maybe I'm speaking out of ignorance here, but just like the, the the power of Minecraft, and then and then of course, then everyone wants to do things that kind of like mimic it. Like it, for me, it was one of the reasons why Breath of the Wild, which of course at this point is you know old news. Um, but it it uh, I, I'm not way into the Zelda series, but when I finally broke down and got a Switch a couple years ago, I, I was really excited for that and. You know, for me, there was just a bunch about that where I'm like, this is just complete noisy bloat. That's all it is. I mean, I, I mean, maybe some people like it, whatever. But I'm just like, this is a Zelda game. It's an action adventure fantasy game. I don't want to go collect a bunch of crap and, and craft things, you know, and the combat was terrible, you know, in, in my view. But but yeah, I've just I've just found that everywhere. It drives me nuts. There's just bloat. There's a bunch of noise and bloat in so many games. Well, with that being said, um, 
Dr. Vale, I am glad to have you here and I genuinely look forward Thanks for having me. Yeah, to trying to get you on future projects or episodes, whatever you prefer. I know you don't know our full entire show list, but we don't just do a podcast. We also do some short form content too. Um, mm. And Milk, always a pleasure to have you inside of the studio instead of a car. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> I look forward to getting this episode out. Fun fact, while we were talking, I was rendering out next week's episode, which is the Dungeons and Dragons episode. So looks like we'll be ahead of schedule still and we can get, definitely get into some stuff. Because as you know, I'm not doing shit when Final Fantasy VII Part Two comes out. <laughs> there you go. All right. With that being said, I yeah. will see you guys when I see you guys. Have a good one. Thank, thank you, John.